Sumana Sanjeeva bought an e-commerce business, then sold it one year later for over $5.5 million, five times what she paid for it. What an incredible return. And if that weren't enough, Sumana was a novice. She'd never even seen inside Amazon's Seller Central before taking the reins of her newly acquired FBA business. But as you'll hear, Sumana did make a few wise, very deliberate decisions that belied her inexperience in e-commerce and proved fundamental to this wild success. Another element to Sumana's story, she had owned three franchise locations before getting into e-commerce, so we delve into her thoughts on brick and mortar versus e-commerce, a topic that I chew on myself a lot. And lastly, this is an immigrant success story, which I have a soft spot for. Sumana and her husband arrived in the U.S. 25 years ago with $70 between them. From that to acquiring and then selling a business for over $5 million. Not bad at all. Please enjoy my conversation with Sumana Sanjeeva. Welcome to Acquiring Minds, a podcast about buying businesses. My name is Will Smith. Acquiring an existing business is an awesome opportunity for many entrepreneurs. And on this podcast, I talk to the people who do it. August Felker is a two-time successful searcher, first with a traditional search fund. The second time around, he did a self-funded search. Today, August runs Oberly Risk Strategies, an insurance firm with a dedicated practice group for searchers and acquisition entrepreneurs like you. If you've got a business under LOI, Oberly will provide complimentary due diligence on that business's insurance and benefits program. A great no-risk way to get to know August and team. They love helping searchers. They've worked with hundreds. Oberly is a specialty insurance brokerage for searchers by a former searcher. Check out Oberly-Risk.com, O-B-E-R-L-E hyphen risk.com, link in the show notes. Sumana Sanjeeva, thank you for joining me today on Acquiring Minds. Hi, Will. Thank you so much for having me. Sumana, you bought and grew and sold for a substantial profit an e-commerce business. And part of your ability to do that was playing your cards right as COVID started ramping up and all the supply chain chaos um, started happening. And we're going to get into all of that. But let's start with a little bit of personal history, Sumana. So take us back 25 years, uh, which is when you and your husband were still in India, but made the decision to move to the U.S. Uh, What was behind that decision and where did you arrive first here in the U.S.? Yeah, so... 25 years back, um, my my husband actually got a job here. Um, he got a project, um, and uh, I decided to follow him uh, to the United States. And uh, you know, just kind of we 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 started, you know, traveling from India with seventy dollars in our pocket. We landed here with seventy dollars in our pocket, um, you know, and and uh, landed in Atlanta, which was a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And you're in North Carolina now, so you weren't, you didn't stay in Atlanta. Um, did you, so Atlanta from, how did you get from Atlanta to North Carolina? Um, Atlanta, actually, we uh, we landed in Atlanta because my sister-in-law lived there since we didn't have a place uh, to stay when we landed here. 
We uh, stayed there. My husband uh, actually had his project in Boston. Um, he went there and kind of found a place for us. And then I, I joined him there. We were there for about nine years. Um, and then, um, uh, you know, again, again, followed my husband down here because he, his boss moved here and he got, you know, his job moved here and uh, uh, came, came down to North Carolina. Okay. And meantime, you start your own career. What, what, what do you find yourself doing? So yeah, as soon as I uh, was eligible to work here, um, I found a job as a teller uh, at a teller position because I didn't know how, where to start, what, what you know, what to do. But um, I found myself uh, in, at, an, in, at an interview where I was offered a teller position and I thought it was great. <laughs> I was, I was going to get minimum wage uh, and, and I was very excited to just get out of the house and go, you know, uh, work somewhere. Um, and two years from that, um, I actually became, so from being a teller to, um, you know, in, in two years, I was a branch manager, um, did that for, um, a good bit of about nine years or so. Um, and, um, it was, it was, I think a lot of that, what I learned, um, with, with customer service skills and the organizational skills and a lot of the things that I feel that I'm using today. In my business, I feel like mm-hmm. I learned through those years. Mm-hmm. And so you were a bank manager then, for from bank teller to bank manager for in nine years as a manager, or seven yeah. years, seven years, nine years in total at the bank. Well, nine total, and then seven um, as gotcha. a branch manager. Mm-hmm. Okay, and uh, you have a child during this time. One child. Um, I had, so before I started my career as a teller, I had my um, uh, first one and, uh, you know, and she was one years old and, and I was, uh, I was kind of like, she was getting a good preschool life and I, I started my career there. Uh, then I took a break because I was having my second uh, uh, child. So she, uh, at that time it was, I couldn't bring myself to kind of go back to work after <laughs> after the break um, and and uh, took a break then uh, of about three and a half years. I was um, home with her and I spent to time, I get to spend, you know, I got to spend time with my older one too. So, um, you know, that was a good time. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. Okay. So uh, you're a family of four at this point. Um, and then eventually you're, you're, you're on your your track as a bank, uh, bank manager, and then um, you you're. I think I have this right. Your first entrepreneurial endeavors are a learning center franchise. Is that right? Uh, tell that us, is correct. T- tell us what that. I don't. I've heard of that. I don't know what it is. Tell us what it is, and also tell us like what inspired that. What you know? What was all yeah. that all about? That story. Yeah. So after my break, um, you know, of, of, uh, about four years, I was thinking about going back to work. My younger one also was also in preschool and I felt like, okay, I think it's time for me to go back into the corporate world. Um, and I started, um, you know, I started applying for jobs and my husband was like, I think you should start a business. Uh, and I was like, why, what makes you think I can, <laughs> you know, run a business? And he's like, I think you're, you're going to do good. So I think you should start a business. And, and he always had that somehow, I think, he always wanted to do it, but, you know, he was like, no, I can't 
quit my job and do any of that. So you go do that kind of thing. So um, he was telling me to start a business and one of my neighbor's child was actually going to a learning center, um, which their curriculum was really, really good. And and I was like, why don't I look into that franchise opportunity? Because the, the closest center to this location was a 20 minute drive. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I was like, okay, there's none in this area. So let me go ahead and um, get started, um, you know, with the application process and things like that. Um, and I do believe like a lot of that process that I went through, it was so enlightening and, and kind of so much of a learning uh, process there. And so what a learning center is, is sort of an after school or weekend supplement to school. Yeah. Yep. So it was a after-school math and English learning center is what it was mm-hmm. called. It was called I Level Learning Center. Um, and basically um, that that career, you know, it was a, it was a great uh, first step into the entrepreneurial uh, life. Uh, mm-hmm. But also, you know, after a few years of doing that, I started to realize that, wait, when my kids are coming home from school is when I'm actually out there, uh, you know, running my business. And, and yes, I'm able to help a lot of kids, um, you know, get, do well in school and things like that. But when it comes to my own children, I'm not here, um, you know, helping them, working with them, spending time with them. Because by the time I came back home, it was 8.39 o'clock yeah. in the night and they were already in bed. Because the hours of the Learning Center, of course, are the exact opposite hours of when kids are in school. So, right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so and you're not doing this on the side. This is your full time thing at this point. So you are no longer a branch bank branch manager. You're doing this full time. Okay. And um, but so but as a business curious, how how is it? Um, As a business, it was actually very rewarding, Um, meaning, you know, I got to work with kids. I, I got to work with teachers and everything. Also, operationally, it was not a very taxing business. But at the same time, you needed to have certain operational skills, organizational skills, um, you know, inventory management and things like that, um, which which was which I think I had learned through my banking you know, career. And I started right. to apply it there. Um, and, and business wise, um, it was pretty lucrative, too. Um, it was uh, again, we had a number one center in the state. Um, so oh. North Carolina, yeah. So in, in, when we started it, because of all the skills that I had learned from the bank, the marketing skills and everything, I applied all of that there. And within actually six months, our branch, our location was actually number one location um, in the state um, and number three in the whole country. So it it kind of gave me a little bit more confidence to go open multiple locations. So I had. By the time I actually um, sold the business, I had three locations um, of that learning center. And and each of those you started, you did not acquire an existing franchisee by an, an existing franchisee out. You started no. off. Okay. Yeah, I okay. started them all from scratch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and so by the time you have these three learning centers, um, I mean, are you are you doing pretty well financially? I mean, those are three independent businesses. Is it is that is it you know, if the if one by itself is pretty lucrative, then I imagine times three, it yeah. gets even more interesting. Yeah, 
So it was, um, so to start off, uh, you know, I invested about $60,000 um, mm -hmm. and uh, I would say I made those, I uh, made that 60000 back uh, within the first 60, uh, six months. Um, and then after that, it was all pretty much profit that was generated, um, you know, that was coming from that. Um, and it was in good uh, six figures profit. Great. That's great, Sumana. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. But you decide that um, it's keeping you from your kids. Mm -hmm. And and so is that is that the primary decision that you the primary reason that yeah. you decided to take the decision to kind of exit? Yeah. That is correct. Yeah, because when I decided to do that, it was purely because my older one was uh going to go to college in a couple of years and my younger one was starting to kind of feel a little uh upset uh with that, you know, I would I was never home when she came back from school and just you know, it just, it was one of those things. And my older one too was like, you know, I'm going to college in a couple of years, but I never get to see you in the evenings. Um, and it was also open on Saturdays. So I was busy on Saturdays till three o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. Um, so uh, most of the weekends are all, they're also tied up, uh, you know, running that business. So my pure, I've, you know, the decision was purely made on um, that basis of I want to spend yeah. more time with the kids and family. Sure. Yeah. Sure. So what did you decide to do? You, 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 knew, you knew you needed to exit. What was your plan to exit and then do what? My plan was to exit um, and not do anything, just to kind of stay home, uh, be a stay-at-home mom and be a homemaker and just you know, kind of do that for at least a couple of years. Mm -hmm. um, and then start to maybe look for, you know, look to do something, something else. Um, and, uh, that's really what the plan was. There was no other plan at that time. Okay. And did you expect to be able to sell these franchise locations for a good amount of money? Like, was there kind of a, going to be a big financial outcome here? What did you expect on that front? Yeah, we, I was hoping for a good mid, uh, mid six figures. Um, mm -hmm. and, uh, that was the hope. And I started the process and I actually went on, um, I tried to sell it on my own and it did not work out because, you know, it was all a lot of people that just wanted information, right? So um, someone that I knew, um, the franchise director actually suggested I go on this buy sell um, to list the, you know, list the franchise. Sure. Um, and, and really that's kind of, how I tried to uh, do that, uh, but you know, life had different plans for me. <laughs> and what and what plans were those? So, what actually ends up happening? So, I actually uh, went on Biz Buy Sell to list this, and before I could, you know, get through the process of finding out how to list this, um, a, a shiny object actually caught my attention. <laughs> <laughs> Which said, you know, work from home and earn this, you know, in, in uh, you know, it was, uh, I think the SDE was um, $350,000. And, you know, it's like work from home, uh, less workload and this and that, you know, online, sell on Amazon. And I'm like, what? what is this? How can I work from home and still make this kind of money, which I was making you know, having three locations, or actually I was not making that much even with three locations, 
it wasn't that much. And I'm like, that just cannot be. I thought it was one of those, you know, work from home gimmicks that (laughs) that was out there. But it was still, you know, I was still kind of intrigued. Like, what is this? Uh, What what, what could this be? Um, It seemed too good to be true. But if if it were true, this could be amazing. Okay, so you click. Yep, yep. Yep, I clicked on it and I filled out, you know, that, you know, fill in your information and somebody will contact you form. Um, and, you know, somebody actually did contact me and I was like, oh, okay, this is for real. Um, and the broker actually contacted me um, and we talked about that business. So the business that I had looked for, looked at, that was already sold. Um, and then he was like, but I do have another very similar business um, that is being listed, and and he was he told me um, that it's a Amazon business, Amazon FBA business, mm-hmm. which basically and 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 let me kind of go back to my background for a second here. So okay. I uh, first of all, Amazon. I've been buying on Amazon for a long time. I never thought that. I always thought when products came to my house, it was Amazon as a company had a huge warehouse somewhere. And whenever I'm buying something, it's coming from Amazon. I never in a million years thought it was individuals. There were were third-party sellers that were actually using Amazon platform to sell things. So that itself was confusing to me. I'm like, what do you mean selling on Amazon? Why would Amazon let me sell on Amazon? Yeah, no, that's Uh, interesting. I'm sure a lot of people kind of go through that process of yeah. understanding it's a good point go ahead right 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 so and and i had no e-commerce background i and and you know technology is not my cup of tea um and uh, so i think i think we kind of experienced that a little bit before we started this be- call before you know, the, as we were getting all the logistics set up here you i think <laughs> your words were i hate technology so something along yeah. along those lines yes okay. exactly and and people laugh at me and you know they're like oh okay First of all, they 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 automatically assume that I'm in IT industry because I'm from India. <laughs> then, of course. You know, and then when I tell them, first of all, I I have no connections, like I technologically impaired, so don't don't ask me any technology questions. <laughs> I cl- like cloud. When they started talking about cloud, I'm like. What's in the cloud? <laughs> so, but anyway, so that's not uh, that's 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 me. So e-commerce, I had no, no e-commerce background. Only thing that I had done on computer was checking my emails and and check my bank account. You know, once in a while. Other than that, I hadn't done anything. Uh, you know, anything remotely e-commerce. Um, so that it was kind of like I I must have asked a lot of very very dumb questions to the broker. I, I don't know why he continued to talk to me <laughs> because I was, I was like, what does this mean? Amazon, uh, you know, and things like that. So he was actually very patient, explained things to me. Um, and I, I strongly felt like this is something that I could do. And I, and the thought of still kind of having something to do when I'm home until my kids got back from school was was like oh wow you know i should i should do this um because it's not like i'm gonna be cooking all day (laughs) or anything but i'm like i do have time to um do things so so yeah i continued this process um again we didn't have um all that money to buy that business um 
and and uh, then we kind of went to SBA, um, got an SBA loan. The, and the broker, business. the broker kind of helped you understand that. I assume you didn't know what an SBA loan was or anything like that either. And he's kind of walking you through this. That is correct. And and uh, definitely there was a lot of support from uh, from the broker uh, on understanding how SBA worked and. Um, and I believe he actually found the person that I, uh, I there was a known uh, in between loan broker as well. So kind of like, you know, I introduced me to um, him and then I kind of provided all the documentation. But it was it was a very um, a risky uh, step that I, you know, I, again, I still don't know why I did that. Um, I actually acquired the business um, for one point one million. Uh, mm-hmm. At that time, one point one million million dollars was not even a number that I could even think about. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great to have experts at your back when buying a business? People to help you polish up your pitch and processes as you go to market as a searcher, then help you evaluate opportunities once you get some deal flow. Such experts exist, buy side advisors, but they'll cost you to the tune of tens of thousands, even hundreds of thousands of dollars. But another option exists, the Acquisition Lab. The Lab is a do-it-with-you buy-side advisory service, not do-it-for-you. Founded by Walker Dibel, author of Buy Then Build, the Lab represents Walker's vision for what is most needed to make a searcher successful and available at an accessible price. It's cohort-based, and you will come out the other side of your cohort prepared to go to market as a savvy searcher with a tight message and process so brokers take you seriously, pre-approved for a loan, and with an entire community at your disposal to help you along the journey to buying a business. To learn more, check out acquisitionlab.com, link in the show notes. Mm-hmm. You know, so because we, I mean, we didn't have all that money and uh, just the down payment itself, we had to take everything that was in our savings account um, to put the down payment. And then imagine that conversation with my husband. I'm like, I just found a business for a million dollars that we are going to acquire. And we're going to take everything we have in our savings account, put a down payment, and we're going to use our house as collateral. (laughs) So, um, you know, yeah. it, well, it's funny because he was the one who recommended that you go into business for yourself in the first place. So he's pro- at this point, yeah. he's probably like, oh, what have I done? Why well, I've created a monster. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know, but, uh, but that was, uh, I still do today, today, you know, I still think about like what made me think that I was going to be able to do this. I think we all have an inner voice um, and, and. We all have that gut feeling. And if we, I think sometimes if we just follow that, um, everything's going to be okay. I think it's going to work out. Well, I, I'm I'm struck because you, it, it, it just feels like you really gained a lot of confidence in those years because it was your, your husband, again, I was joking earlier, but seriously, it was your husband who nudged you the first time around to start a business. And you, and your reaction to him was, what makes you think that I can can run a business or should run a business. So it sounded like he kind of had to kind of pull confidence out of you a little bit. And then fast forward, uh, and now you're, you know, um, putting a, you know, putting your house up for collateral to, to buy an e-commerce business. Um, anyway, it's, it's quite, it, that's quite a, quite an arc. So that's cool. 
And by the way, this e-commerce business, so you so so just to be clear on the details, so you were on Biz Buy Sell because you were looking to sell your learning center locations and you happened to see this listing. And but but the broker was who was the broker for or that first listing and then you ended up buying a second listing. But the broker That's was right. with whom? Um, that was a, uh, the, his name was Joe, um, and he was, um, he was with, I'm so sorry, I forgot his, um, brokerage company's name. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, so he was from a, it was from a, was, um. But not quiet light. He, not quiet light. So he actually, ah. um, yeah, he, he was a different broker, um, and, uh. When I, you know, and the, that acquisition, during that acquisition, he was very patient. He was uh, good explaining things to me. He kind of, you know, pointed in the right direction for the uh, SBA loan and things like that. So it was really um, a good, uh, he was a good, good broker. Um, and so you got connected to on that. Sorry, you got connected to Quiet Light because you then, when you sold this business, which we'll, we'll, we're going to get to here, um, yeah. you, you sold it via Quiet Light. And so that's how you and that Joe Valley connected, which is how you and I that connected. That is correct. Okay. okay. That's correct. Okay. So you acquire this business. Um, you It was um, selling for $1.1 million. I assume mm-hmm. for the SBA loan, it was kind of the standard, what, 10 or 20% down? It was a 10% down payment. Yeah, that is correct. And did you get any seller financing? I did for the for the inventory part of it. Um, I, I did um, get the seller financing, uh, seller note for that. Um, and uh, it was a five-year seller note um, mm-hmm. for the as the same interest rate as the SVA loan. Okay. And you, mm-hmm. I believe you're not comfortable sharing with us what the business actually sold. Or can you? Um, when I acquired it? Yeah, like what the business was selling. What was the business? Can you share what that is? Or Oh, it, it was it was actually board games. Oh, okay. Board great. games, I, yeah. It was I, I, yeah, I it was I a didn't board realize. game business. And and so it but it it wasn't um this the the owner of this business hadn't created a board game that they were selling themselves. They were selling already they were other board games that right, were already right, right. So right. kind of so a reseller was, was, of board uh, games. That is correct. Yeah. So it was, it was kind of like similar to chess boards and things like that. Um, I can, I can give you the exact specifics, um, since it's, I, I, I don't own it anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, but yeah, so that was board games business and, uh, I acquired it in February of 2020. Um, and right, uh, right when COVID was, uh, starting to be a thing. <laughs> Right. That's right. And and yeah, yeah. And and you know, to be honest with you, at that time I wasn't sure because A, I didn't know anything about e commerce. B, I didn't know anything about um uh, um the board game um that that um was being sold and, and and then at the same time it's kind of one of those things I was not sure, wait, products are coming from China. But if China is shutting down, how am I supposed to get the products? How am I supposed to sell all these units that I'm supposed to sell to make this money? So if the supply chain was going to be an issue, then I wasn't sure if that was, that was kind of going to be my, my, my deal breaker of like not being able to get the products. Um, 
But somehow, you know, in the back of my mind, you know, it's it's a it, yes, it's a virus, but it's how long is it going to be <laughs> there? Yeah. In my mind, it was going to be like a you know three month, six month thing. It was I was I never thought it was going to be this, um, but. For me, it's 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 following my my instincts. My my gut feeling is has always paid off. Something in me said, you know what, you should do this. You should do this. Um, and I continued on. I went on, and uh, I was like, you can't. I'm gonna make a good plan where I'm not going to be running out of stock. Um, and and let me go ahead and and take this leap. Um, is what I thought, and and kind of. Um, you know, jumped in um, at that, and, at that and point. And w- what are you referring to specifically? What leap is that? A leap of leap of a, you know buying that business because I wasn't sure what future was holding with this COVID uh, situation. Um, oh, COVID so, had started know, happening even before you acquired the business. So, so you're negotiating yes. to buy the business, and COVID is starting to pop up in the news. Yep, yep. Because the first cases in. Um, uh, Washington State with the nursing homes had already had started. Um, by then, China was actually going in. In, in uh, it was actually they were about to shut down. Um, there was talks about China was hit really hard uh, with with COVID, and it was you know we didn't know what was going to happen. Um, they might need to actually uh, do something drastic to stop. So yeah, there, there were conversations about all kinds of things happening. Um, and of course, you know, a few days after I acquired the business, that's exactly what happened was they went into shutdown. Uh, they, China was in shutdown uh, mode. So um, it was just one of those things that I honestly didn't know how to handle that. But then I sat and kind of, you know, did some calculations um, and I actually, I make it a point um, now that I'm, you know, doing, have been doing this is I talk to all of the suppliers um, one-on-one, like have a video conference um, and, and introduce myself. And so I, that's what I did for, you know, I kind of told them, hey, I want to have a call with you. And when I talked to them, I could see that on their faces that they were like kind of in that panic mode and, and it was not. They were, they were almost, you know, there, they, a lot of the employees had already gone back to their villages and things like that. Um, and I asked them, I said, so what is the situation? And they're like, we, most of our employees are gone, uh, to back to their villages. It, our, our factory is going to be shut down in the next one week. We are just finishing up some final uh, things wow. and it's all going to be shut down. And for me, that was very, very scary. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, you know, and, and, and two days after that, I told them, I said, okay, you guys take care, all those things. And, you know, back of my mind, I'm like, oh my God, oh my God. <laughs> so, um, and, and I, I actually thought about it. And, and two days later, I called uh, the supplier back. I said, so you are going to come back. The factories are going to start um, back up. So what is the process then? Uh, you know, and she, and she told me it's going to be first come first serve. Whoever places orders as we are out, whoever places the order, as soon as we come back, uh, we are going to start working on their order first, and then you know we are going to continue to um, kind of follow that um, you know process. And I said okay, 
Um, I hung up with her and I sat in front of the computer and I, I kind of looked at uh, our sales had also kind of started ramping up a little bit, meaning because of COVID, uh, people were preparing here. They were preparing to stay at home um, and already, you know, a lot of companies were starting to, to kind of say work from home. All these same schools were shutting down. So um, is this so March now or more like April or it's, when it's is March? Okay. Yeah, it's All March. Right. Um, so kind of mid-March, um, we're towards the mid-March to um, end of March, and this is what's happening. And I'm like, okay, so according to how we are starting to ramp up, the inventory that I acquired when I acquired this business was supposed to last until October of that year. Yeah. And okay. I was told I just needed one more container of shipment to make it through holiday season. So... That's all I need. I was needing. You were told this by the seller, like according to previous previous sales years. That's what you should expect. Exactly, exactly. Um, And and because we were starting to kind of uh, the sales were actually going up, I was like, okay, if this is happening, I'm. I kind of did a calculation where my inventory was going to not last beyond July. So the sales were, so it wasn't, already, they weren't, they weren't just inching up. They were going up quite a bit. Like you could really, they you were, could, yeah, they were starting to go out uh, quite a bit. And, and I just realized I'm like, wait, it's just the beginning. People are going to start getting bored more and more as this goes on. Um, so I kind of did that rough calculation. And then I said, you know what, no matter what, I'm going to need inventory. And inventory is, is the planning of the inventory is where the payment terms were in such, ter- in such a way where at the time of production, you pay something. At the time of shipment, uh, when they're shipping, you pay something. When it reaches the port, you pay something. So it was not that I had to kind of like pay all at once. So what I did was I kind of came up with a plan of um, placing an order with them so that as soon as they came back, um, they were actually going to be working on our, you know, order first. Um, so I actually sent her eight containers worth of order, uh, the following day. Uh, and, and eight <laughs> containers and historically what had been, you'd just been, you expected to do single containers at a time. So this was eight times yeah. the yeah. His, traditional historical order for, yeah. Your business. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, and Sumana, you know what this, this reminds me of is, um, have you ever heard the Warren Buffett quote that like you should buy when there's blood in the streets? In other words, oh, when the no, entire world is, it. yeah. So, you know, his thing is like, you know, you know, most people, when it looks like the sky is falling, you know, everybody gets conservative. Nobody wants to spend money because they're all saying to themselves, let's just see how this shakes out. Let's just see how this shakes out. Mm-hmm. Too much uncertainty. And mm-hmm. that's when you should be really disciplined about buying because everything, you know, there's there's opportunities to buy things for cheap. Now, he's talking about stocks and equities, um, yeah. not buying inventory for your business. But the same principle applies. You know, a lot of people had e-commerce businesses that were see- seeing the same thing in their numbers that you were seeing. And they were more experienced. You know, you're, you're one month into this business. They're more experienced. You know, they're, you know, they, they know their suppliers better. And yet they didn't have... They didn't have either the courage or the the mental discipline or the foresight to make a giant, you know, an, a, a giant order like you did. So you you were really buying when there's blood in the streets and, and kind of, you know, you were following Warren Buffett's advice. It's it's fascinating to me that you had that that courage and that insight. Anyway, 
Carry on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I think that also the eight containers was more of like, okay, they, they are going to take one month to produce each container because they need time uh, to, yeah. to put it together. Um, and in my mind, I'm like, yeah. okay, if we are going to be running out of this stock by July, then by the time they set it out to me and it reaches here, the first container, I, it's kind of like that that math, uh, the, that, you know, like uh, in Joe, Joe Alley's words, you know, math and logic, right? So it's like, think of all the things that can happen. And also need to visualize and then kind of think futuristically like, okay, you know, just the calculation of if I have the product on hand, I'm going to be making $12 in profit per unit. But that, you know, it's, but at the same time, if I don't have that product in hand, which I'm only going to be, even if I had excess, I would only be paying seven cents a month per unit to store it in a, in a storage uh, facility. Right. But if I didn't have that product, then I'm actually losing that $12 in profit because I'm, I'm concerned about that seven cents of storage cost, you know? So I think oh, that's kind great, of where I was like, point. you know, great way to look at it. Yeah. I was like, okay, you know what? Even if I held on to that product or that unit for six months, even if I didn't sell it right away, let's say things slowed down, my calculations were wrong and it, it's taking me instead of taking you know, two weeks or a month to sell it, I'm, I'm selling it in six months, it's still six times seven cents for that unit. But if I don't yeah. have that unit, yeah. then I'm losing 12 cents, $12 every time I'm not selling that product. So that's kind of what my calculation yeah. was that I think <laughs> it was just like, let me just go ahead and order eight containers. That was one thing. And also, you know, that kept my competitors out too, because I I had placed the order. So they were kind of bound to like send me my eight containers first, which was eight months. <laughs> so for those eight months, my competitors were not getting in there to order uh, order products. Um, you know, so it was kind of like, okay, everything it, works out. Yeah. It so, was a, it was know, a master it, stroke, Sumana. I mean, this, <laughs> this was a life, frankly, like if you play, if you play this forward a little bit, this was a life changing decision that you made because yeah. as we'll see, it set up your business for success yeah. and, yeah. uh, and then other things happen. Yeah. Um, but yeah. so, so j- let me just get into the e-commerce weeds for a second. Mm-hmm. So your competitors all, so your com- like competing products are all buying from the same supplier. So is that often how it, ha- how it works in e-commerce or like Amazon FBA where everybody's getting something from the same supplier and just putting their name on it? Um, is that how a, it works? A few often? of them. Yeah. A few of them would be doing that. Uh, a few of them would be buying from the same competitor, um, same supplier. Um, yes. For each product, there are multiple suppliers. But then you kind of can tell right. some details of the of your product that hey, this person is also buying from my supplier. Um, and, and suppliers in China are are good about not letting other people know who they sell to. Uh, so, but but you can kind of identify, um, you know, when you're looking at other products um, because they they want it or not, they have certain certain. Uh, things on there that you can tell that it's coming from the same supplier. Yeah. Or you might have made a change on something. Okay. You might have requested a change. And then you start that seeing that same exact change on something else. And then you're like, oh, that person's buying from that ah. because they mass produce it kind of thing. 
Sumana, going back to your decision to buy the business and any sort of due diligence you might have done, did you, I assume you like went to Amazon and looked at the product listing page on Amazon? So. <laughs> okay. No? I, I, yeah, that's, you know. We can, we can cut that. We can cut this out if you want. I know. It's it's kind of a, 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 and and uh, you know almost like an embarrassing story because and to be honest with you when I was acquiring this business I didn't do any due diligence meaning I didn't even have access I didn't look at the 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 back end. I didn't know Seller Central which is the actual backup you know the the back end selling uh, for Amazon. I hadn't looked at the, right. the seller central. I didn't have access to any of that. And I actually didn't even talk to the seller until the day after closing. Um, and which is, which I realized afterwards that it's very unusual. Um, because when I was actually going yeah. through the process of, of selling my business is when I realized, oh, wait, I didn't do any of this when I was acquiring the business. Yeah. Um, and and thank God, I mean, it's just one of those things I lucked out that I was dealing with the right people, uh, and and also my saving grace was uh, the SBA loan. To be honest with you, because SBA did a deep analysis um, uh, of the business. They they did a deep dive into the business, and they did a good. Um, you know, they hired somebody to do a market analysis. They did a um, you know, they hired a company who was comfortable with the whole e-commerce side of it, um, and and they they did they actually gave a good eighty-nine page report on the business. Other than that, really, to be honest with you, I didn't do any, any usual due diligence that is 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 done uh, while acquiring an e-commerce business. Um, so that is one thing that I would you know. I would actually suggest anybody looking into um, acquiring a e-commerce business for the first time to really watch um, some YouTube videos about due diligence, what all you should be doing, um, how to do the due diligence for e-commerce, because it's completely different from a brick and mortar uh, business acquisition or sale. Um, this is a whole different scenario. So. Uh, there's a lot of things that needs to be that could be done to make sure that this is the right business you're acquiring. And now that you are, you know, w once you get into the business and you learn all about uh, all about it and the competitors, did you buy a business that did? did yeah, did you buy like a, an FBA business that was strongly positioned against its competitors? Was it one of the leaders in its category or just kind of in the middle or, you know, how, how competitive did you end up finding this space once you were in it? Yeah. So luckily, um, the previous owner of this business, uh, he, he, he's actually, a, he's a, uh, he's a, he's a creative guy and he was, he actually had launched this product first on uh, Amazon. So you know, we were actually positioned really well. Uh, we were number one seller for that product. So, uh, you know, like review mode and things like that, it was really good. So that was actually, uh, that kept us uh, in, in number one. And of course, you know, the, the inventory that was acquired, I, I, I um, purchased and things like that. Throughout the year, we actually did really well on Word. 
you know, it, 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 it went great. And I learned, I actually got like a crash course in Amazon, meaning like, because I, from the day I started to how quickly it was growing and how quickly I had to adapt and how quickly I had to learn PPC. I mean, you know, they were throwing words at me. Uh, like we had a manager, uh, you know, uh, PPC management company. They were talking about ACOS and tacos and things like that, which I had no idea what it meant. And I was constantly Googling as yeah. I was on the, you know, uh, calls, I would be like, what is ACOS? And how do you, what is this ACOS? And they're like, is, you know, how do you spell that? I'm like, that, putting that in there. I'm trying to like understand things. And it, it felt a little overwhelming because it was just growing so fast. And I was, I was, I almost felt like, am I doing everything I need to do? Am I missing something? Am I doing something wrong? There was no time for me to actually sit and think, am I doing something wrong? Um, and, and everything was like, okay, we had logistical issues where the warehouse was in New Jersey, the time for products to come from China to New Jersey, it was taking a good two months, two to two and a half months. And I was like, in the meantime, we're going to run out of stock. So what do we do? The next container, I'm having it come to LA. I'm finding a warehouse in LA to send that to LA and switch the whole, you know, uh, um, supply chain, uh, the logistics for that to go to uh, So it's like I'm doing everything so quickly <laughs> that it was just like I didn't have time to sit and think is this right or wrong. Um, but, you know, and, and I reached a point, um, I think towards the end of that year, um, it was where I had actually started getting calls from um, aggregators um, asking, if, you know, if I was ready to sell the business. <laughs> Uh, and, and, and at the end of really, 2020 or 2021 at the end of 2020. Wow. So, so less than 10 months in the business, you're getting calls yep. to sell. Okay. Yeah. And, 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 um, but Sumana, so let's just back up a little bit to the, your big decision. So you buy the eight, you buy the eight, um, containers. containers of inventory. And so you're delivering product throughout COVID as this demand is surging, everybody's at home, you've got a perfect COVID product. Um, and you're just, you're delivering, delivering, delivering. And so business is going great. I mean, it's growing, you know, you're, you're paying down your SBA loan fast. Maybe you're not paying it down at an accelerated rate, but you could, if you wanted. Um, mm -hmm. okay. And, uh, Okay. And so what, was there just anything else of, in between there or basically yeah. that's... Yeah. yeah. To that point, I just wanted Go to ahead. say all of the money that we were making, yeah. I was reinvesting in the inventory. I was actually not taking any money out of it because remember I had placed an order for eight containers, right? So as we were getting money from the business, uh, you know, the revenue was being generated that I'm taking, I was taking and I was putting it towards inventory because... We kind of, it's, it's kind of like that, that cycle that you go through, right? So initially, you, especially since you're selling so much, you constantly need inventory. So yes, we were making profit, but I was putting it back into the business. So in e-commerce uh, uh, business, that's, what I, that's one thing I have realized is it takes a good, good few months for you to take money out of any business that you acquire because you, you are acquiring because you want to grow it. The only way you can grow it is reinvesting into, you know, that business. 
we cannot take money out and still expect it to keep growing um, kind of thing. So it's kind of a, uh, one of those uh, things that I have, I, I quickly learned from that and I did keep, I don't care. So in SB alone, I was just paying the regular amount, but I was reinvesting all of that money. And, you know, you hear this a lot about e-commerce. It's, it's one of the great um, weak points of, e- of e-commerce, something that people complain about. Um, and, and, and so just so, so we understand, so like, let's say, let's use arbitrary numbers. Say you sell $50,000 of product um, mm-hmm. one month. And let's say whatever, $10,000 of that is pro- is profit, gross profit from selling the product, you know, and, and your sales are rising. So next month you're expecting to sell $70,000 of product. So the 10, so the, the 10 grand that you've made, you need to put right back into acquiring enough yep. to, to deliver the, the 70,000 the next month. So I yes. guess the idea is that you need to grow the business such that you've got so much volume that you have you can take out an additional five or $10,000 a month, hopefully $10,000 a month at least to earn a kind of a respectable salary that could just go right into your pocket to pay you a salary to earn, let's say, $120,000 yes. a year. But for, yeah. for you to have that, that, and that excess cash that, so that every single dollar doesn't need to re, be reinvested into buying more inventory next month, you just need a huge amount of volume. Well, actually, that's, more that's than the that, game. so you, you got to get you got to get the volume of your e-commerce store. Go ahead. Yeah, it's, it's a bit more of, a of actually building a inventory base of how much it is that okay. you want to grow your business. Uh, because I can I can still take money out. Let's say, let's just say I didn't order that eight containers of, of inventory, right? I said, okay, you know what? Yeah. I have inventory from what I got when I acquired the business, which was significant, which was supposed to last me until October, right? And I could just continue to do that um, and just say, okay, you know what? I'm just going to order one more container just to kind of keep going at the same pace. But what? But if you want to scale it, right? Without having inventory, you cannot scale it. You with the same amount of inventory, you cannot grow with a business, meaning you have to have more inventory. So I, I can kind of go into my current uh, uh, FBA business that I have. When I acquired it, I had inventory, but then I also did PPC campaigns and things like that. And I increased the sales. That means now when I'm, as I'm increasing the sales, I need to get more inventory on time. I cannot wait for, let's say I sold one inventory worth of, uh, one container worth of inventory. Then I'm going to take money out of that. And then I'm going to buy a, another container. What happens is in between you're going to run out of stock because you're waiting too yeah. long to place an order for the next thing because you're also taking money out of it. You're taking salary out of it. So you're really not taking that yeah. and immediately placing an order. You're actually taking money out of it and you're saying, okay, whatever the cost of the inventory that I spent for that container, that's the money I'm going to take and buy another container. Then what's going to happen is in between, you're going to run out of stock. That means your rankings are going down. All the PPC money you spent on, you know, gaining momentum on on that campaign, all that will be gone. So you had to restart all that all over again. So you're going to end up not making 
uh, a good bit of profit in each container. But yeah. if let's say I have this container, I take that and I take the pro- the cost of the goods that I have, you know, I have plus my profit and I immediately place an order even before that container is sold and I'm getting the con- next container before that container is sold, then I'm, I have that, that good uh, process where I'm not running out of stock. That means my, I'm staying up in rankings. My reviews are going up. My PPC campaigns are doing well. Um, so it's kind of the, the flow needs to keep happening. Uh, up until one point where you're like, I'm three containers ahead, four containers ahead. Now I can start taking money out. Everything that's coming, you know, then is going to my pocket in, except for the, uh, the money for the product, right? So the cost of the product, now yeah. I'm reinvesting into getting on more products. So up to a certain point, you'll have to do that where you're putting the money back into the business. It's like any other business, right? So you can't open a bus- brick and mortar business and, and expect to start taking salary next month. You're going to have other expenses until you start making that, you know, that money, um, the, the profits and things like that. Um, even that you have to put back, like my breaking mortar, I had to buy books and, and tables and pencils and erasers and things like that. So each month I was investing into, okay, last month I couldn't buy, um, you know, dry erase markers this year, this month, since I have a little money, I'm not going to take that salary. I'm going to invest into buying dry eraser markers, right? So it's kind of one of those things that you have to do to a certain point. But if I, if I said, you know what, dryer is, uh, markers are not important, let me take a profit, then your quality of service is going to suffer. Your teachers are not going to be happy because they don't have the right tools to work with. So it's kind of one of those things where, uh, you know, there is a point where you can start taking money out. Um, but if you start taking money out too soon from any business, um, I feel like the, the scaling doesn't happen. Um, as much as you would want it to yeah. happen. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great that's a great analogy um, because I, I think of e-commerce, the cash flow cycle of e-commerce is is kind of um, particularly particular to e-commerce and, and really annoying. But but it, it, in some ways, it's it's like you said, it's kind of like it's kind of the sunk cost of getting a business's momentum going, and you and you don't take out money out of the business too early. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and because we deal with containers um, here, right? So uh, regular other businesses, we deal with smaller things, um, and and but but with with e-commerce especially, we deal with we bring products in containers, and a container is a lot of product, right? So each container um, for the board games, each container would have ten thousand pieces in it so which is a lot of pieces right so you have to pay for all of that and and getting it here so we, we are talking big uh big containers give us give us a sense of of what one container order would cost you just all in including shipping um all in so for my current uh business um each each container costs about hundred uh eight $110,000 um, is what it costs wow. landed um, here with uh, you know everything. So because there's cost of goods um, and the container cost, the, the, the shipping from China to here. Um, we have custom, we have custom duties that we have to pay. 
then from the port to getting to the warehouse, from warehouse to going to Amazon. So it's a, it's a good bit of, uh, you know, uh, cost involved in that. Shipping cost. Yeah. Logistics cost. Sure. Yeah. Logistics. Yeah. Um, I, we could pick that apart, but we still have a lot more to go in your story, um, Sumana. <laughs> so, so we got to be efficient here. Okay. So let's, because, because just to, to, um, spoiler, you sell this business, we're going to hear that right now. And then you've subsequently bought three more e-commerce businesses. So you are now a serial e-commerce, uh, acquisition entrepreneur. So I just, I, I want to make sure we, we, you know, we get all, all of this in. Okay. So, so you're at, at the end of 2020, you've made this decision. You're selling like it's a decision to buy the eight containers. Um, you're selling like gangbusters and you start getting interest from aggregators. So pick us up from that point. Yeah. So, um, I started getting emails and, and I, 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 I honestly, I had not thought about selling the business at all because it was so, doing so well. Um, and, and it's just one of those things where it's like, wow. And this question that has been asked, um, several times, hundreds of times with people is why, if a business is doing so well, why did you sell it? Right. So that's kind of what I was thinking at that moment too. I'm like, wait, I'm making seven figure profits, uh, for, for this business that I didn't expect. Um, so why should I, you know, I, so the first email I got from an aggregator, I was like, wait, why would you want me to sell it? I'm, I'm doing so well. Uh, no, not, I didn't even respond. I was like, you know, just chuckled and just put it aside. Right. So, um, and then I started getting other emails and uh, at that time too, like I said, I was thinking like, wait, what else is there? What, what am I missing? Am I missing anything? Am I doing Everything I can, is this the potential of the business or does it have more? What can I do? So the next obvious uh, step would be to launch more products, right? On that brand and things like that yeah. um, to make more money. But I was not equipped to do that. I didn't have the skill set um, to launch more products and do more things with that. Um, and I felt like I had done, like I had learned so many things so fast that I was like, okay, I think I'm going to be making a mistake if I were to hold on to this and and just kind of not keep growing this. Um, that's when, you know, in January, I was like, okay, I think it's time for me to start thinking about it. I, I, and it, it was kind of weary for me. I was questioning myself. I'm like, why would somebody want to buy? I just bought this business like last year. Why would somebody want to buy? And so I was questioning myself. And then I decided to talk to a few brokers. Um, the first broker I called was the person, the broker that sold the business to me. And then I talked to um, a couple other brokers and Joe Valley was, um, uh, was also, uh, was one of them. And, you know, and Joe was like, I've stopped listing um, on, on Quiet Light because he was doing more of the, um, you know, ordinary things, aware <laughs> podcasts and things like that. Right. So he had stopped, um. Oh, stop products. being a broker so said, himself. Uh, yeah, 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 mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, exactly. He stopped being a broker. He's um, he's busy he appearing said, on podcasts like Acquiring Minds. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, um, and he was writing a book too, right? So, right. Um, right. Yep, yep. And um, so he said, you know, Chuck, talk to Chuck. Um, and I uh, ended up talking to Chuck, or Chuck Mullins, uh, and uh, he actually, you know, it was, it, it's funny because he asked, questions. He asked the right questions. He made me feel comfortable. Um, and, you know, he, he kind of, 
he talked me through the process um, and he said, okay, this is what we should do. This is what we should do. Um, and he actually came up with a good multiple and he said, you know, I think this is a great product, a great listing. You've done, a, you know, everything. You've actually put everything in place right now for the next owner to just launch a new product and, and kind of keep going uh, with that. So he felt confident and I felt confident that he felt confident, you know. So uh, we said, let's go ahead and give it a try. Um, we uh, we listed in March. Um, it towards, I think it was towards the end of March. Don't hold me to that. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, yeah, so within two weeks, um, actually right away, we had a lot of interest in the business within, uh, two, in two weeks, uh, Chuck had set up about 14, something, 14, 15 calls with, uh, with wow. the aggregators. So I was every day I was having two to three Zoom calls. Uh, with with potential buyers, and I was constantly talking about the business, and and um, I, it was a great experience too. And I, I I kind of learned so much of like, okay, what it is that uh, that aggregators are looking um, out when they're buying totally. a business, or what individuals are looking because I never had that experience yeah. of having that conversation with with the seller um, because of the, when I acquired it. Everything was through the broker. The broker, I never yeah. interacted with the seller or asked a question uh, to the seller. Anytime I had a question, I was going to the broker. Broker was going to the seller, bringing me the answer back. Um, so it was kind of like that. I was like, wait, this is, this is how it's done. <laughs> and yeah, so until then, yeah. I actually didn't realize how this was, uh, you know. Um, so that the whole process was a good experience. I think, um, you know, like I said, Chuck kind of walked me through to between calls too. He was like, okay, do you need a break? You know, what's happening? You know, uh, are you comfortable with the kind of questions that's being asked and things like that? So um, it was a yeah, good Yeah, 14 um, different calls. So, you know, 14 hours or if they were half hour calls, whatever, between seven and 14 hours of people talking to you about your, asking you about your business. You must have just learned a tremendous amount how valuable that was. Um, Absolutely. And some did, of did the you calls, feel, it was not yeah. just, I'm sorry, um, some of the calls, it was not just one or two, right? Some of the calls, there were like five or six people from different departments. Like one was operations, one was marketing, one was, uh, you know, logistics. They were all like asking me different questions. And I was like, wait, ask me in an order. Like you guys are going all <laughs> over the place. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, that was, that was very, uh, very intense actually. Yeah. But I'm sure exciting. I mean, yeah, you know, I mean, what a, what a cool, um, what a cool experience. And I'm curious, like just, um, just, just your general sense of that process, talking to 14 different, uh, prospective buyers, did you feel like basically they were all asking kind of the same narrow set of questions or did you, or is your sense that like the range of questions that you got was all over the map? I'm, I'm just kind of curious. So there were, I would say, um, half and half, right? So okay. meaning half the time, the questions were the same questions. When they were starting off, it would be the same questions about the business and the NISD. How did you do this? How did you do that? Yep. Um, but then, and then there was other half, which was like all over the place where they were, you couldn't expect what they were going to ask, um, okay. kind of thing. Right. So, some very in-depth, 
uh, you know, questions to like, you know, simple questions. Um, and, and it was, it was, um, yeah, I, I would say half and half, but definitely I would say, um, out of all of those calls, some definitely stood out with the kind of questions they asked. And, you know, I, I felt more like, okay, you know what? I think they're, they're going to do a great job with this, uh, business. Um, because at the end of the day, um, I was kind of learning that too. I was trying to understand that too, because there was going to be opportunity for earnouts and, and, you know, other kind of structures for the sale. So I, you know, I would want, I, I, I wanted to make sure that I was giving the business to the right person that was going to continue to grow it and not kind of crash, you know, yeah. uh, the business. So definitely there were some who, you know, I felt like they valued me as 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 a as a person who has kind of grown this you know scaled this business to be a part of it maybe our kind of thing and they were also interested for me to be a part of that going forward as well that way um, you know you know it's always I still had ideas I still had a lot of things I wanted to do with that business right so it was always a good and I have done that with the previous um, seller too was. The owner I, and I would go, you know, back to him and ask for suggestions and things like that. And he would feel more, you know, like, oh, wow, it's kind of like I'm still a part of this business. And he was a founder of it and things like that. So, yeah, it's not a few of them definitely stood out uh, compared to the others. OK, so from these 14 suitors that you have, you 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 choose one, obviously. And, and can you give us a sense of, you know, what? range or whatever you can about what that sale price was. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we, uh, we had, actually we had narrowed it down to three, uh, three aggregators and then, mm-hmm. uh, we went with the best one, um, mm-hmm. for the business and, and, uh, this one that I felt like uh, we're good people actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, we, so I, act, I exited the business for, um, mid seven figures. Um, okay. basically, uh, five times, uh, for what I had acquired the business for. Um, and so my, uh, my quick math means, so 5.5 or around 5.5 million in that range. Yes, that is correct. And so we had some, earnouts, um, uh, you know, in the deal and things like that. So which, which was, uh, which put us in a good, good position. And I was also. I also have some equity still in that uh, in that business that I was allowed to roll into uh, in some equity in there too to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know they're gonna do bigger things with that, so I wanted to be a part of that um, mm-hmm. as well. Um, so uh, we kind of went with that. Uh, so so there was a there was a cash piece, there was an equity piece, and there was an earnout piece. That is correct. Okay. And um, given that e-commerce has slowed down since mm-hmm. 2020, 2021, um, are sales of your product, of this FBA product, continuing to be where you would hope and in, in the earnout is unfolding the way you had hoped? Um, yes. And uh, I'm not, so here's what happened. So that the, there's, there's been a lot of change with that on a positive side. Um, so 
before even we could reach that earnout stage, I actually got some payout. So all those things. So um, yep. I'm not very sure if I'm allowed to have that discussion about that part. Um, I'll have to I'll have to look into that. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Now, um, okay, well, this, you know, suffice it to say, this was a life changing outcome. Um, and particularly when you look at how quickly it all happened, basically in, you know, just a little bit over a year, uh, it's just, it's just really uh, breathtaking, um, and very exciting for you. Um, I want, and now you have gone on to buy some other businesses and I want to hear briefly about those. Um, but before, uh, let's circle all the way back. Whatever happened to the learning centers that you got distracted <laughs> from the shiny object when you were trying to sell them on Biz Buy Sell? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's actually, uh, I don't think anybody has asked me that question before. Um, I actually could not sell that business for a while after owning. So I went to list that. I ended up buying this, having that business and this business. So I was starting to get a little... Um, overwhelmed. Here I was wanting to sell that and take a break and not do anything. But then I actually had two businesses I was running at the same time, uh, which became a little bit overwhelming. And I was not able to sell that business right away. So I was holding on to it and I felt like I was not able to focus on this business, which was taking off like crazy. And so what I did was I called another franchisee down the street uh, which was the other um, uh, location. And yeah. I, since she always wanted this location because it was a top, uh, you know, location, I called her and I said, hey, do you want this? Do you want this business? Because at that point, all I wanted was a little bit of money, like almost half of what I was listing it for, and just wanted somebody to take over the lease and, my students, I didn't want to let them, you know, I didn't want to close the place. Um, but at the same time, you know, I was just like, I was ready to get out of it because yeah. I wanted to focus on this. So a lot of people, uh, you know, kind of like when I, when, when people would know about this, they're like, why would you do that? Why would you sell it for hundreds of thousands less? And I'm like, because I was making hundreds of thousands more here. Yeah. Because if I took my focus off of this, then I would not have, if I had both of them, I would not have done justice to either one. Yeah. So I was like, let me let that go. That way I can fully focus on that. So it took me a good three months after I owned this business to actually do that. Um, and uh, yeah, that's that's now run by um, another um, franchisee. But she's doing a great job. So she's uh, uh, she took all the, those centers and she kind of went on with that. Um, she was happy that she was going to get a great deal on that. <laughs> so, and I was happy to just move on from that to this one. Well, that, you know, Sumana, that, that's another uh, courageous strategic decision that you took, you know, to sell for, to sell these learning centers for a lot less than their market value. Um, recognizing that, you know, there was an opportunity cost to continue operating them and having them and thinking about them and this other business was taking off but uh and and you needed to just devote 110% of your attention to the new e-commerce business that you'd acquired but still you know it it sounds kind of i don't know logical or obvious to say it in retrospect but like like you just pointed out a lot of people 
didn't share that view. And they were like, wait, why would you sell something for a loss? You know, um, and so, it, it, you know, it took some real, I think, um, I, I don't know, insight and, and, and like I said, courage to, to make that decision. So um, congratulations. That was, that was another big strategic decision that you made that was the right one. Um, Thank you. As a follow-up to that, so now, I, you know, I just want to hear, um, you, you know, you, you got this incredibly accelerated education in e-commerce um, with this great happy outcome, and you'd worked um, do, as a franchisee in a, in a brick-and-mortar business. Um, what are your thoughts on the two models, other, you know, other than the obvious, you know, one, you can work from home, I mean, you know, other than the obvious, is there... You've done so well in e-commerce. Would you basically say to anybody, oh, e-commerce is definitely better, like just do e-commerce? Um, and, and I also think you said like the SDE of your e-commerce business, like r- almost right out of the gate was higher than the combined SDE of running three learning centers. So it also yeah. seems more profitable. Now, you happen to buy really good e-commerce business, so there is that. But anyway, yeah, just, you know, you're, you're somebody who's done traditional and e-commerce. What is your sense of how people should think about that opportunity? Because certainly some people in the audience are going to be asking, are going to be considering e-commerce opportunities um, or brick and mortar traditional business opportunities. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that's actually, I think, a great question because I was thinking about it when you, when you were um, asking me. Difference between brick and mortar and e-commerce is brick and mortar, you're dependent on a lot of other aspects, a lot of other people um, to run a brick and mortar business, right? For example, if you're starting from scratch, from construction to everything, you need permits, you need this, you need that, and then you have to have the right products. And then you have to actually go and get customers into your door. Um, you need to convince them. You need to continue to. It's 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 a it's a good business. Like I said, I have learned a lot from it. Being I don't know if I had started right off the bat with e-commerce, if I would have the same, uh, you know, skill sets uh, that I have today, and I'd feel confident about it. But at the same time, I feel like with with brick and mortar, you're you're dependent on uh, employees and different, you know, uh, people to run that business. With e-commerce, you can be a one-man show. I mean, right now, I'm actually, even with the previous one and this one, I'm a one-man. Yes, I can hire agencies, but if I don't like an agency, then I'm like, I can go to the next one. Or I can say, you know what? I'm just going to learn it. I'm going to learn how to do that. I'm just going to do it. So mm-hmm. it's, it, it's it could be a one-man show or you could have other agencies doing it. So that's kind of the one major difference I would feel. And also brick and mortar, you have to be there physically. You have to be there, um, you know, at certain times. If the, if whatever, the sto- if it's a store, if it's open from, you know, morning eight o'clock till night, nine o'clock, you have to be there or you have to make sure somebody is always there. E-commerce, I don't have to do that. The the major difference is I am I can literally sit in front of the computer when I want to. I can shut it down when I want to and walk away. Um, there's never it has never been where, oh my God, again, if I'm recording, you know, like podcast or something. Um, that's a but other than that, I never have to I don't have a set schedule um to sit in front of the computer. I can just if I have, I have everything on my phone, all the emails. If something comes up, it comes up on my email. I'm like, oh, I need to go attend to that. 
um, or look into this. Uh, other than that, I just, my days are very, um, nothing would be quite free and, and I'm yeah. able to do the things that I planned to do uh, with my kids, you know, even with my daughter being in college. If she says, mom, I need you, all I need to do is say, okay, let me just shut down my computer and come to you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't have to it's wait huge. for somebody else to come and, you know, let me, you know, kind of walk out the door. So it's, it's that flexibility is, is huge. Yeah. And I feel, I feel at this point is, is sky's the limit with, with e-commerce because like I said, in, in brick and mortar, I have to go do marketing or events and, and things like that and convince people to come. Right. Yeah. And yeah. then kind of continue to provide that service to where you're, you're constantly like wanting to stay, you know, they have to stay with you uh, to give you that business. Here, the platform, it's like the world is the platform, right? So Amazon is given, or even if it's Shopify or whichever, you have that platform where you are reaching people the, on, by, with a click of a button, right? So yep. you're doing PPC campaigns and you're clicking things and people are just coming and, and your, your images and things are what are selling. You're not constantly talking and and. It's it's kind of like that the the sale the energy that you put into sales when you are um, when you're in a brick and mortar or like my business the energy that I have put into marketing and sales was is just so much because uh, it just takes a lot to convince people <laughs> you know so uh, it it's uh, that has been a huge I think differentiating factor for me is now I don't actually have to constantly you know. Like, worry about okay is there a customer is the customer going to walk in are, are we going to get new students this month oh my god we have a few students uh, not coming next month so uh, how do i make up for that lost revenue all of those things i don't have to worry about because this is i can grow as much as i want because i'm i'm spending dollars on marketing where i want to spend how i want to spend and bringing those people right onto my site you know, it's interesting, Sumana, because one of the thing I, that's a little um, counter to what I might have, the kind of the generalization I'd make, because one of the things that I think attracts people to traditional brick and mortar businesses is they actually feel less competitive than digital online businesses. Yes, um, the online, you don't have to, you know, do all of the kind of in-person sales and marketing. Um, but it's, but it's also your competition is worldwide. Uh, so, so it's also quite cutthroat, especially Amazon FBA. Um, and, and, and so, so a lot of people, you know, it's like buying a local, uh, business, you know, they might only be competing with two or three other people in their market, two or three other businesses in their market. And those businesses, could be pretty, you know, unsophisticated. And so, you know, often, yeah. And so it just feels like online is the, is the, is the more cutthroat environment. Offline is not. Now, these are such sweeping generalizations. Obviously, it just depends on what category you're in in both. Yeah. You know, there, yeah. there, there are, um, so, so maybe, maybe we're generalizing too much here, but, um, yeah, it, it, yeah. it is still kind of the reverse of what I expected you to say. But on that point <laughs> about e commerce being cutthroat, um, you know, I, you know, especially so everything that we hear is that e-commerce is really competitive, you know, you, and you, there was evidence in your own story where like you're, you're a supplier, 
you made that, you know, the, with your eight month purchase, you were kind of keeping your other competitors at bay. Um, you know, that you didn't maybe intend to do that, but that's that's pretty strong armed cutthroat stuff. And and um, and so anyway, you know, and, and, and you're always worried that like some like if you're selling a physical product online, that a Chinese manufacturer is just going to see it and undercut you. And it's just very, very competitive. Um, and e-commerce has gotten so much attention in the way during and in the wake of covid um, aggregators, all the capital flowing into the space. It seems like a saturated, very competitive landscape e-commerce. And that intimidates me. Um, it seems like we're kind of at peak e-commerce. In our pre-call, you, you, you had said that you feel the opposite, that the sky remains the limit for e-commerce. This is early, early days. So react to what I just said. Yeah, I, I, so with, with consumer behavior, right, changing, like I actually haven't stepped foot into a grocery store uh, in so many months. Uh, very rarely do I go to stores these days. Everything is, you know, I'm... If my behavior, who I actually used to love going shopping, um, you know, I, I used to go grocery shopping all the time and, and everything. So now that I've done that and, and, and the switch has happened, even though things are normal now, back to normal, I'm not going back to the store. So I don't think, um, you know, people are in a hurry to rush back to stores and get back to how it was. I think now it's always going to be even if they do that, there's still going to be a good um, part of their shopping that is still going to continue online, right? And then also aggregators. The, so the, when the business is staying like that, the, the e-commerce business is going to be, you know, kind of growing because more and more subs people are subscribing, more and more adults are coming up, you know? So it's kind of one of those things that I look at my own daughter who... Now she's she's 21 and she has her own Amazon account, right? So, um, and because she's she doesn't live with us, she has her own address. So, she, so as everybody is branching out, they're all getting their own Amazon accounts, uh, memberships, and things like that. Um, so I feel like these it's going to keep growing. Sumana, I want to close out by um, hearing about your three new acquisitions or more most recent acquisitions. So you sold the other business for a phenomenal exit. And then you turned right or back right back around and, and got back into the game. Um, can you tell us what these three acquisitions were just in brief? We're not going to have time to go into each of them um, in, in much depth. Um, yeah. So start by doing that, please. What are, what, what are these three businesses start you acquired? by telling you that I was supposed to take a break for a couple of months after I exited out of that business, which again did not happen. <laughs> Because right away I was, you know, shiny objects, more shiny objects. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So this time three of them. Uh, but, you know, yeah. So since I kind of started having that um, confidence in, in running uh, Amazon FBA businesses, I just decided to go that same route and not kind of go because once I'm comfortable, I don't want to. I, ha I still have a lot to learn uh, with Amazon FBA. So I have now acquired a similar size business that I acquired the first time. And I've also acquired a mid six figures and a um, very, very small one, um, actually uh, a five figure business too, um, to kind of see, you know, if I can apply everything that I have learned uh, from, from my first business 
um, the Amazon business that I can apply to these and yeah, if I can see the same success um, that I saw with those with these um, the other one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And when you say one is similar size, one is mid six, mid five figures, and one one is mid six figures, and then the small one is five figures. You mean the acquisition price? Yes, the the acquisition price. Yes. Okay. So I have now kind of I have okay. looked at okay. I want I don't want to go um, and acquire a very large business because again I'm still in that learning process. I still feel like you know there's a lot to learn. Yeah. Um. And and so what I've yeah. done is I just kind of acquired. One in seven figures, uh, the low seven figures, one in uh, mid six figures, um, and one in like five figures. <laughs> so, yeah, right. Uh, it's all, it's all kind of. Uh, and, and now that you're seeing into these three businesses, and, and as you said, trying to continue to learn and apply what you've learned so quickly um, and, and then continue learning, um, do you, do you feel like, yeah, I think what what a listener would want to know is like, do you feel like you learned uh, like a lot of what there is to know with that first experience, and and or is it like a lot of what you learned in that first experience was kind of particular to that one FBA business, and now you're having to learn a whole lot of other new stuff. Um, yeah, I guess like. When, when you do e-commerce, how much of it is is applicable from business to business, e-commerce business yeah. to e-commerce business, even though the categories and products are different? Um, I would say um, 75 to 80% is the same. You apply everything and I'm applying okay. everything that I learned from that. So I'm actually doing the same kind of, you know, uh, uh, almost like, you know, the, the supply chain. Uh, changes, the logistical changes, um, the price changes, you know, making uh, the images look different. I added a video. So things like that. So the, those are all similar. But then there were individual product challenges that um, I would say that needed to be looked at. And and that is that, that 20%, which is particularly, uh, you know, particular to that product um, that you would need to kind of learn and things like that. Um, Quickly, for example, with one of the uh, uh, businesses that I've acquired, um, it was it was listed under the um, hazmat, the dangerous goods product, and and I couldn't understand why that was listed under that. Now, because of that, we were paying more for the container. Uh, we were we were paying more to send it to Amazon because Amazon's uh, partner carrier would not carry ours, so we were paying almost 10 times more than what we would send to if we were to use Amazon's partnered carrier. So I looked into, that was a challenge. I'm like, why is this that? And we realized it had a small tin ton tube of glue um, that really we didn't need to have it in there, but we were having it as a, you know, part of that whole product. Um, and that glue was what made, was making it a hazmat because it could be, it's, it's flammable. So all we all I did was okay, uh, call the supplier and said start taking the glue out of it from not from the next container, and that just doing that has added twenty thousand dollars per container in profits. So it's kind of like you know, what a <laughs> thank great you. Decision. Thank you. So you know, it's kind of it's one of those things where you have to you'll have some differentiating 
uh, different challenges with each each business that you acquire, which is, you know, um, kind of, I think, expectable. But I would say 75 to 80%, you're still applying what you learn. Um, uh, kind of I, what I've learned from my first um, acquisition. And, and tell us what these three, um, the categories these three businesses are in. Mm-hmm. So I have one in um, automotive. Um, and I have one, uh, one is a, um, home goods and the other one is supplements. So three different categories. Totally different categories. And are they all FBA businesses basically selling kind of just a single product or, or a small basket of products? That is correct. All FBA, they do have websites and Shopify and Etsy and things like that. Um, I tend not to distract myself with going into too many marketplaces. Um, I because mm-hmm. when one is working, with there's still so much scope for you know scaling. Why you know if we start to mm-hmm. kind of go into different marketplaces, we tend to lose focus on the one that's actually doing well. So I tend to focus yep. mainly on Amazon FBA, um, and I don't even do FBM. Because that's a whole different, you know, we need to have a team to ship it, do so many things. And I'm like, when I am able to do so much with FBA and there's still more to do, I don't want to be doing something else um, for that. Yeah. And for the audience, FBA is fulfillment by Amazon, where Amazon actually does the logistics of shipping your your product. And FBM is fulfillment by merchant, where you market the product and sell the product on Amazon, but you actually do the shipping. Um, you, the merchant, do the shipping out to the customer. Um, and, and and is there any difference you notice in size? So you've got the small one, you've got the medium one, and then you've got the the business that's similar to the size of the first one that you bought. Um, how, how different does it feel, if at all, between these different size levels uh, of FBA business? Um, so I think... With with the um, larger one, the, the seven figure one I I acquired, it is very similar to the the previous one that I acquired. So meaning the same kind of situation, like the challenges were similar. So I was able to kind of quickly kind of, you know identify those challenges and like oh yeah I got this. This is this is what I did with that. So I'm going to do the same things for this. Um, and then. The other ones I'm, I'm noticing are more of like a, a challenge to get the momentum going at this point because these were businesses that were there, but they the previous owners, you know, kind of struggled with scaling that. Um, so momentum's in, in Amazon, momentum is where when you have uh, just launched a product um, or kind of, you know, have several things happening to it. So now what I'm trying to do is I'll, I want to see how I can take what I have learned from that and also other challenges that I don't know how to do. There are some challenges that I'm facing that I have no idea uh, how to uh, do things and I'm learning. So that is kind of giving me more uh, experience into doing that. So yeah, I would say the the larger business because I bought it. Uh, at, at that price because it was already at a good place, but it had its own challenges, which was not very as severe as um, I would say the smaller ones are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And so if you were talking to the audience and mm-hmm. somebody was interested in buying an e-commerce business and it's their first acquisition and 
therefore also their first e-commerce acquisition. Is there a sweet spot of size of business that you would recommend they buy? Assuming they, you know, they, they kind of have the same, similar budget that you did, that they could get an SBA loan to buy a, a, a business up to say even $2 million, $2.5 million. Is there a yeah. sweet spot that you'd recommend they look? Um, definitely. I, and I think more than a sweet spot, I would say what to look for, right? So um, if, okay. if, you're, if, if a buyer's strength is operations and that is where the seller was struggling, then that's, the, that's a good match, right? But if, let's say, um, if, if operations was the seller's uh, strength at the same strength as buyers, then, you know, whatever didn't make that, that previous seller um, as successful as this business could be, um, if you have that strength, that's a good match. I look for businesses where the seller struggled with operational side of the business because, you know, it's, it's, that is my strength. So if they have laid a good foundation for, um, you know, PPC, product, um, you know, images and, and reviews and everything is great, but where it struggled was staying in stock um, or, you know, like little things like that, or the, they're spending more money on logistics, um, you know, or the supplier's not the best supplier and you could actually find another supplier uh, that, can, that can do a, you know, better quality job or send you more products in a timely manner, something like that. So, you know, are those, does that match? Or is your skill the marketing side? And your skill is not operational, where the seller has actually laid a good foundation for operations, where they, he has set every, he or she has set up everything for, um, you know, logistics-wise, and everything is perfectly set up. But, but all it needs is more marketing, like the PPC side of it, which is your strength. So based on that, I think that would be a good way to look for Amazon businesses, uh, rather than how much money should I buy for kind of thing. Um, and that's why I kind of have sort of wired now in three different levels to see, yeah, that's kind of what I've looked at is, is okay. Operationally, this, uh, this business, uh, was weak, but other than that, everything is else, uh, everything else is there for me. The foundation is strong. So now I want to kind of, it's more of kind of like, uh, you know, test for myself where can I take a business at any level and scale it with what I have learned or. Am I wrong about that? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's great. I, I, I've heard this concept described before as kind of puzzle pieces. You know, two puzzle pieces need to fit and your, your, you know, your, your, your piece, you're your shaped a certain way and you need to find that business that where, where the two, where you fit nicely. Um, because what the business is missing is what you bring. Um, yeah. And you're, it sounds like what you're saying is that's more important than the size of business necessarily that the person looked to acquire. Absolutely. Sumana, I want to let you go. Um, it, this has been, we, we've had some technical issues throughout, but it, it's been a blast of a conversation. Anyway, your story is utterly remarkable. Um, you know, in January of 2020 or December of, tw of 2019, um, you probably wouldn't have thought in a thousand years that you'd be on the other side of this adventure, a very successful e-commerce acquisition entrepreneur uh, who had her first phenomenal exit and now owns an additional three businesses that she's acquired. So what a cool story. Um, yeah, I just want to congratulate you and thanks. Thank you for coming on. My audience is going to love this one. 
Well, thank you so much, Will. I appreciate your patience. And, uh, you know, this this has been great. I, I enjoyed talking to you. And, uh, you know, if, if anybody has any questions in your audience, they can reach out to me um, and definitely, um, you know. What, what's the best way to reach you, Sumana? Um, LinkedIn. Um, um, or I know, um, email would be great. So, Sanjeeva Sumana at gmail.com, um, is my email address. Okay. And, uh, definitely I can, um, you know, try and answer. If I know the answer, I'll definitely, you know, um, help anybody out. Great. Well, thank you for that offer. Of course, as always, that, that info will be in the show notes. Sumana, thank you very much. Until next time. Thank you, Will.